this episode, I'm talking with Mohit Sharma. Sharma is a 30-year-old, first-generation Indian-American born in New York City, a world traveler and a lifelong learner, all while being a dog dad. He's been trying to make his parents' dreams come true, making their hard work and sacrifice come to fruition. However, through all the success, Mohit continues to battle the realities of life in a search of who he is. He tries to take time to smell the roses and bring some laughter in others' life any way he can. It is my pleasure to have him on the show today. And I hope you get something from our discussion. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. The question is, um, who do you think you are and why? All right. Well, firstly, I, I'm honored to be here. Um, yeah, listen to a trailer. I, I I knew you were the right person to kind of get people's story told. Um, so I'm I'm truly honored to be here. Um, but it's funny when you when you had asked me that question, the the scene from Anger Management with uh, Adam Sandler and Jack Nicholson popped into my head immediately. Have you seen that scene? I am familiar, but not not completely familiar. So a quick little background, uh, Adam Sandler is sent to uh, anger management class and Jack Nicholson's is uh, his teacher, right? The uh, facilitator. And he asks Adam Sandler, uh, who are you? And so immediately Adam Sandler says, well, you know, I work at a, a, law, a farm. He goes, no, 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 that's what you do. Like, who are you? And he's like, well, you know, I'm a happy-go-lucky guy. He goes, that's not what I'm asking you. Who are you? And then finally he like snaps. He's like, what do you want me to say? <laughs> um, so and this is a very tough question, right? Like, who who are you? Because um, there's a lot of things that you kind of identify with. Um, and I think each part of your life uh, gives you this holistic picture of who you are as a person, right? Um, so I guess what I identify myself as, like, outwardly, my physical appearance uh, I'm a first-generation Indian-American um, that serves in the United States Air Force. Uh, I'm a lover of you know, education, family, traveling, um, love dogs. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think, I think in, a, in a nutshell, that's kind of what we are. Now it's time for you to take out the nutcracker and <laughs> see what's inside. <laughs> no, so it's funny that you started with, with the the scene from uh, anger management that I think that that works really, really well. Right. I mean, Adam Sandler, you said, if I, if I heard you correct, he started with talking about his profession. Right. And so I wonder if you think and what um, Jack Nicholson was trying to get after is there are rings to us. There's a epicenter. And then there's rings around the epicenter of our identity. Yes? No? Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. As soon as you said that, I think of Shrek and the layers of an onion. <laughs> uh, and All of the analogies work. Yeah, but as you're you know, peeling back the layers, more and more cures come out <laughs> from an onion. So, no, I think you, you, you nailed it. Um, yeah, there's, there's definitely layers, right? Um, but 
what I've kind of like this year, especially I've done a lot of like self work um, and I'm trying to like improve myself. And I did peel back some of those layers of who I am as an individual. And yeah, it's, it's kind of like who I was presenting myself to the world uh, was not the person that was that little like center of, of who I am. Right. Uh, and it was really funny because I had a candid conversation with someone and they're like, oh, man, you're you're doing so good in life. And I felt the complete opposite. I was like, I feel like I'm doing like terrible in life. Uh, why, what makes why, you think that? Yeah. Well, why did you feel like you were doing terrible at life when the outer layer that people can see was doing so well? Well, I think that's the, the misconception, right? Um, there's the concept of the peace index. And there's there's five proponents to it. Um, they all start with P. Don't question me on them because I'm going to forget. But uh, there's one how you interact with other people, and there's one that's the your personal health, right? That's your self care. Um, and I, I recently did a quiz on uh, how I how my peace index was, and it, generally it was good. Um, but there was a my personal health was probably the least. Um, the least strongest, right? It wasn't as well built. Um, so it's kind of this facade we put in, in, in life, right? Like, so for example, um, my outward appearance, I was winning awards. I got selected for a really like uh, competitive commission program. Uh, but at the beginning of this year, you know, I just had broken up after almost a five-year relationship. Uh, you know, there was stressors of moving, uh, from a place I've lived for so long, uh, you know, family stuff, figuring out my, where I'm going to get my dog. So there's a lot of internal stress that I kind of compartmentalized in my life, but everything else was like success. And I, I thought it was, you know, interesting. So that, that's what, what was at the core? Then? What, what do you feel was happening at the core that you only, you knew wasn't, um, as balanced or stable as you wanted it to be? Uh, I think it was a lack of identity, if I'm being honest. Uh, it was a character crisis of who... It, it's, it's weird. It's almost like I felt like I wasn't deserving of certain things because internally I wasn't meeting like my own goals, these own um, milestones that I wanted to reach. Um, I was recently talking to one of my friends. He who he just got divorced. Um, so similar timelines, but I've kind of already come across the the grieving grieving part, right? Uh, and I shared this book with him, um, and we kind of talk about you know doing this something called a relationship index of identifying the relationships in your life, and you know what does it mean to be yourself? Because you lose an identity when you're when you're you break up with someone. Uh, so I think for the longest time I, I lost that piece of my identity. Uh, and that was at my core, uh, something that was like shattered. Um, so I had to rebuild that as like who I am, right? Okay, I, I think we're we're going somewhere. I mean, what what part of your core had you lost? A, a lot of it. So some of the stuff that I wrote was kind of like I guess who I am, right? Like, so things that I like to do, like hobbies, I kind of had given that up. Friendships, other relationships, outwardly uh, things. Um, I, I think at a certain point, I was just so goal-oriented, like 
I was working on my master's degree. I had to finish that because if I did that, then I would get my commission. Um, or like, you know, I would be able to provide more for a potential partner, you know, family, so on and so forth. Uh, and at, at the epicenter of that, right, when that relationship fell apart, I was like, what am I doing this for? I, I clearly had neglected the thing that I was trying to preserve um, while losing myself at the same time. Uh, it, it's kind of like uh, when you have an earthquake, right? And then there's the, the aftershocks that occur. And then you're like, where's that epicenter, right? And that's what it came, came down to. I was focused on the aftershocks without really um, centering where, where that was or triangulating where that was. Yeah. And then, and then just working on myself, I kind of figured it out. So do you believe, because um, I guess I've heard you talk about, you know, the academic um, desires and, and um, goals that you have for yourself, um, the professional goals that you have for yourself, um, were those connected to your core or do you believe that they were connected to another part of who you think you are um, that is associated to the external larger interaction and community there's this uh there's this book and it's, it's also a concept in japan called ikigai i don't know if you're familiar with it um and it's this uh uh the, tra the direct translation is this uh search for meaning life's purpose right um, and it's funny because during this period, I, I felt like, I was like, what is my life's purpose? Right. And, uh, as, as you know, I did, I completed the hundred mile Nijmegen ruck. And so yeah. as we're training, you're, you're, it was kind of this very interesting metaphor. I kind of thought of myself. So I turned 30 years old this year and on my back, I had 30 pounds and this metaphor of me carrying this weight that is equivalent to my age. Cause you know, 30 is a big turning point in your life. You're, you're, you're prefrontal cortex is well-developed. You're, you're, you know, you're an adult, you're a man more so than the cultural, you know, turning of 18 or in Judaism turning 13. But, um, for me turning 30 was like, okay, I'm an adult. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so this concept of Ikigai was this flow of just like doing something without thinking of it. You're just kind of in your Zen. And as I'm doing this rock, I kind of felt like that. Like I felt, bliss just the first i think the first time in my life of just nothing like almost this meditative state that i kind of reached um and i think it was that that really uh kind of provided some level of clarity which is probably ironic because it's probably the most painful and worst thing i've ever done in my life but it, it did provide this level of clarity right of like who who am i and what do i like to do uh you know these these aspirations that i had for uh, academic or professional, um, there's this, uh, there's, there's a book on tape I was listening to as I was doing these rocks called Inner Engineering by this man named Sadhguru. He's kind of this um, 21st century yogi, uh, so he talks about things that are taboo. And he brought up this really very simple but like profound concept of human nature to always desire the next thing. Like, we'll get a promotion, but we're like, oh, we can get more. Or, you know, what's the next thing of that, next thing of that? Uh, and he said something, he said, it's not the, it's not the end goal is to search. You have to kind of focus on the search for itself, not what you're searching for. 
that the, that end goal that makes sense yeah. and i really like that yeah i really like that and it, it i guess that at that point my ikigai was just enjoy life like live in that present moment because things will come along as you will but you kind of have to enjoy it not just see you like hey i got my diploma what was the classes that i took to get to my diploma um i got this commissioning okay what are, what are the people i interacted with to get that commission um so i yeah, think that no, that's where I, really I can totally understand where you're coming from i mean i also did the nine schmigan um and i think at the end of the day i can agree with you wholeheartedly that it comes down to um the mindfulness i be, I'm, i believe that the 100 miles and the training before the 100 miles really got after mindfulness and being in the moment because the the left foot has to go in front of the right foot and the right foot has to go in front of the left foot and i mean it's just a constant throughout you know what 10 hours or more and you are just being mindful of, nothing else matters but move your feet right and and i think that and all of all cultures have had several uh, great thinkers who have gotten after the same idea of the meaning of life is to be in the moment in whatever you're doing and doing it with dignity. Would you agree? Yeah. Um, I, I think about like for Muslims, they do the Hajj, the pilgrimage to the, the to Mecca every year. And it's not an easy thing. Like you're going to a desert where hundreds and thousands of people are, you know, it's dignifying, right? Like you, you are paying a respect. You're, uh, in, in the case of us, right? We're kind of paying homage to those who've done it for hundreds of years. This was the 105th edition of it. Um, you, you are challenging yourself. You're challenging the things that you you believe in. Uh, you're challenging your your physical capability and your mental capability. Yeah. Um, so yeah, wholeheartedly, I I agree with that statement. So I want to I want to go back. You had mentioned um, something about when I asked you about the core, and mm. you had been working on things, but at the core of you, um, you still felt incomplete or you felt fractured to some degree, mm. and you used the word not deserving. You just mm. felt that you were not deserving of certain things or certain wins. Could you elaborate on that? Yeah, um, re recognition is one of those very, I, I guess, like, if, if I'm looking back at, like, my upbringing, right, um, I came from a family of, of immigrants, right, so um, my, my parents really instilled, like, working really hard and to, I think what I attribute to my successes to this day is just, you know, go through the struggles. Um, so at my core, why I felt like I wasn't deserving, I think I put emphasis on who I was with more at the forefront than I did of who I am inside. And I think that's when that broke, um, I think that's what uh, really made me think, okay, this thing didn't work out. 
but why was this so earth shattering to me? Why was this so, you know, why is my core shook, right? Why does there feel like there's earthquakes? Um, and it's because we talk about the rings, right? I truly believe this now, like, you know, after a lot of self-work, but the, the innermost ring is you. And I think a lot of times as, as humans and as people, as we develop relationships and we, we develop, you know, these ties with, you know, all these interactions, um, that ring kind of, it's kind of like this uh, osmosis effect where you kind of absorb someone else, right? So like you as a father, your kids are in that ring. You know, you as a husband, your wife is in that inner ring. Um, but I think that's, in a way, it's almost at a fault that we allow that. Um, I, so I, and the reason I say this is, uh, have you ever read Siddhartha by Herman Hess? I have. Um, so when I was in high school, my uh, teacher said, we read it in class, and obviously, you know, being a teenager, I kind of blew it off <laughs> and just did the Sparknotes version. Uh, but she said something in, in class that for, clearly resonated with me years later that you should reread it every 10 years because it will have a different meaning to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that summer after high school, I actually did read it and it didn't really resonate with me. I was like, okay, it's just this, this guy who has everything in the world and he stupidly gave everything up for no reason. Now I reread it and uh, there's, there's a portion of the book where, spoiler alert, uh, Siddhartha has a kid with, uh, I'm assuming she's a prostitute, and mm-hmm. she dies and so Siddhartha has to raise his kid and this kid uh, has extreme disdain for Siddhartha because he was an absent father, wasn't there. But Siddhartha did everything in his power to take care of this kid. And the fisherman, he's like, hey, you are suffering. And this is a really interesting concept of suffering. You're suffering because you have so much care for this kid. Um, let him go. And Siddhartha's like, that's insane. <laughs> Why would I let a child out into the wilderness? And then he's reminded that Siddhartha was a child in this palace. And he had to leave. And Siddhartha eventually does let this kid leave. And he, you know, he was met with extreme grief. But eventually, kind of like you know his inner circle, he he fell back to the things that grounded him. Um, you know, it's unfortunate that you know he had to let let his kid go. But at the end of the day, he was met with inner peace. It's funny, yeah. So <laughs> Siddhartha was well, Herman Hesse. I did that was my uh, senior um, my senior uh, research paper was on Siddhartha and Narcissus and Goldman, both by Herman Hesse. So uh, very, very great author um, and great book as well. Um, as you were talking, though, I was like, oh, hold on, okay. It's interesting to me, Eastern philosophy or theology is... Um, so Eastern philosophy or Eastern, Eastern uh, way of thinking is collective. Collectivism, right? Western is more individualist. But when you start thinking about the spirituality of these spheres, um, Western is more collectivism. Eastern is more individualism. Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> Not so right now, but uh, yeah. But it's the opposite in 
yeah, like you said, it's opposite in family life, right? Uh, Eastern cultures are weird to me. It's so weird to me that in the cultures, in the Eastern cultures, they they collect themselves together. Mm -hmm. It's not about one person being by themselves. Mm -hmm. But spiritually, you're supposed to remove yourself from all things. Opposite Western cultures, individual culture, like we we recognition, um, professional gain, all of these things are individual, right? I'm supposed to pursue happiness, the pursuit of happiness and, and pull up my bootstrap and go get it for myself, individual. But spiritually, collectively, if we're talking about Christianity or um, Jehovah Witness or whatever, we come together in the Western spiritual world. That is, that's interesting to me that there's this teeter-totter going on um, between the spheres. But anyway, I, I digress. No, that, that's, a, I've never, I've never considered that. But yeah, that is 100% accurate. Oh, huh. I wonder why that is. I, I, well, me personally, I think it comes down to, um, it, it comes down to the meaning of life. So you mm-hmm. said um, that you think that you had mentioned me. Right. And my at the core of me is my children. At the core of me is my wife. I believe that the Eastern way of thinking culturally of collectivism is the is the appropriate outlook. I think at the core of us or life in general is about relationship. Right. That defines who we are. That for me, when I answer who do you. Who do I think I am? It is the interactions and the relationships that I have, regardless of there's a part of me that don't, that does not want to have them, but I understand that I need them. Yeah, so I'm curious what the what those words do for you. No, I um, yeah, it's definitely those. You're right; those interactions that we take, right? One thing that I kind of I think about is boundary defining, right? So that inner, that inner bit that you have, um, and and it comes with a level of maturity too, as you kind of callous yourself in in society and in in the world. Um, Those boundaries that we define, yes, you should have those significant people in your core, but you kind of have to develop a boundary to not lose yourself. Uh, you have to kind of callous it a little bit just so you have who you are. And that's a very important thing that I realized now uh, because it's very easy to give up a bit of yourself, especially like when you're raising a child, right? Or I don't have a child, but like raising my dog. Uh, if he's a habitual boundary stepper, he's just going to accept that, that that's an okay thing to do. Same thing with children. The child is just constantly crying or constantly like you're giving in to uh, what they want. Then, yeah, it's going to overstep your boundary and you're just going to lose a piece of yourself, right? You're losing that inner bit that you've defined for yourself. Right. Um, and so, therefore, the actions that I've taken is callous. There's a little bit of callous now. It's not, I think people in the Western will call them walls. I, I can't think it's a stupid. I can't think it's a stupid term. The wall implies that it's impenetrable, or to a certain level. Um, to me, it's it's more of a a permeable thing that you're you're giving and taking. But then there's certain sides of it that's like, yeah, that's my hard hitting, like no joke, 
this is who I am. Um, and I think it takes a while for us to develop that as, as individuals, as, you know, however you identify yourself. It, takes, it does take a while, and you kind of have to go through hardship to define who that is. Do you, do you feel, though, that you are never truly defining that on your own? That's not an individual um, process. Uh, it's not. You're 100% right. Um, so one thing that I started doing was reaching out to other people, seeking that help, seeking mentorship, seeking guidance to see what that looks like for me. Um, <laughs> we, uh, when I was writing my thesis, uh, we talked about echo chambers a lot in social media, right? Um, we, we do our own echo chambers in our own heads all the time. And we were like, this is right. This is how life is. Um, and that's not necessarily the case uh, of, you know, we have these blind spots that we, uh, we have as individuals. Um, so you kind of have to have someone that is a proponent of you, but then it's also maybe in one of the rings in your life to be like, hey, actually, that's not the right way to look at it. Or maybe this is something that you're saying, but what real like right now, right? Like what is that inner core? Uh, that is work that you have to kind of do on yourself um, with the help of someone else. A Sherpa, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> so is, is that why you say that the boundary should be permeable? It should be able to be, um, it should be able to be uh, changeable? Yes. Go through altering? Yes. Um, there's that inner innermost, like that kind of like the black hole where like it'll suck everything else in, but then there's there's a line, right? That gray area um, where you re reveal yourself to someone uh, at your innermost core that, that should be a little bit permanent or like at least like a keyhole. Um, and I don't know if you know this, in, uh, uh, in the Vatican, apparently there's like a little building outside of Rome and there's like a little keyhole they can look through and you can kind of see the hole of the Vatican. That's kind of how I attribute it. There's, there should be like little peak holes can kind of see what's going on. Um, how much influence that you have depends on how big you want the keyhole to be. Um, you can have it just a little peek into who you are or you can be like, okay, it's an entrance. Um, so you, but, would you say when it comes to who do you think you are and why? So, I mean, in your response to that, there is a vulnerability associated mm -hmm. to it. Yes? Yeah. There, 100%. So, it going, you know, bringing us back to, to the question, you know, um, not, I mean, we've, we've been speaking about it, but I think in very granular and uh, expansive terms, let's talk about that vulnerability the vulnerability and at the core of Mohit, who, who are you? Just a man trying to find answers. Mm. I think that's what it really comes down to. A man who is looking for happiness, who's looking for his ikigai, his flow. Um, mm -hmm. And in, in some areas I have found those things but it's a constant search. 
so if I hear you, you searching. Mm. Yes. Yes. Hmm. But that's that's a effort that I think anyone at any age is undergoing. I, I don't think you ever stop your search until like you're on the cusp of death. Because then at that point, you can kind of relate to, okay, these are periods in my life that took me to where I am. But until then, you're still searching. But speaking of vulnerability, mm -hmm. right, that word has so much meaning. I think we, internal to ourselves, have to be vulnerable to understand that that searching is occurring and that we're, um, we're handling, right? When we're talking about handling that with care, that process of searching. Because otherwise, in my mind, I'm thinking that we all are searching throughout our life, but if we are not handling it with care, then we forget that we're searching. How much care are you putting into it, though? Because in, in the search, when I say care, I'm talking about care requires deliberate action. Mm -hmm. And so if, if there's no deliberate action, how does one know that they are searching or they are in the constant state of searching? That's, that's very good. <laughs> I, I, I don't. Well, searching also implies that you're there's something to be found. And I would argue in most cases, there's not something to be found. Okay, so we we return back to if there's nothing to be found, I think there are these pillars. I think we can go back to a larger, I guess, micro Western Eastern of um, Eastern spirituality, uh, removing of self, all things gone, uh, Western spiritual uh, bringing in, there is a center point, there is a dogma a law that um, that we should kind of attach ourselves to so yeah i can see that dichotomy but when we take the spirituality out of it um just the interaction and relationships because we both kind of came to a somewhat of a, a center point that relationship means something to the core mm -hmm. so even if it comes down to the searching means something to how we interact in the relationships we have so that they can be the most constructive and meaningful to life. So in that case, your, your search is betterment, right? On this. Betterment for, for humanity as a whole, regardless of mm -hmm. um, creed, belief, uh, ethnicity, so forth, so on. We are just at a simple searching for better relations. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we already, I was having this conversation earlier. Um, I think sometimes we take for granted when we think about the past, it seems so far away, it really isn't, but we see how much exponential growth there is in terms of the human condition wanting it to be better. 
Um, I, I, there's this old man I walk my dog with sometimes. And he was telling me his mother, and he's probably in his 50s or 60s, his mother didn't have a grocery store where she could just get bananas. And that really put into perspective of like, wow, that, like, I can't even imagine without a grocery store, right? That, that is betterment for society. That is betterment for what we're doing. Are we doing it inadvertently? I think so. I don't think we're realizing that we're trying to better society, but we are. And, and the things that we innovate and things that we uh, share, c- cultural sharing as well. Um, like, I was joking when I was in Korea. I was like, I'm probably the first Indian in Korea <laughs> who's visiting small little villages, you know what I mean? But, you know, I'm able to share something. Whether someone takes it, internalizes it, and then spews it out in some profound or beneficial matter, I would hope so. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's that human condition, right? We're just we have these identity conflicts, we have these societal pressures, and then we have these cultural expectations, and then we we are self-conscious about them, but then we slowly express them, we slowly share them. And now society is getting better. Like this war, you know, war in Afghanistan, we lost two, 3,000 soldiers, American military members. World War II, you lost thousands upon almost millions, right, of, of people that died. So even warfare is getting, it's not what it used to be. We are bettering that too. So th- yeah, I think, I think we are. Wow. Well, what a great conversation, man. I, mean, <laughs> I, really, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to uh, do this, to to join me in a dialogue. Um, any, any, like, closing remarks that you want to? Um, yeah, I mean, if anyone, <laughs> bless their heart, listens to this podcast, uh, or at least the episode with me on it, uh, I will say that it does get better. Um, your, your search, just focus on the search itself, not what you're looking for, because those things come naturally. I think you'll appreciate the search itself. There's a lot of beauty to it. Uh, keep those relationships that you might have lost uh, close by. Uh, I've known Scott for eight, nine years now, and uh, this is a relationship that I, I, I intend to keep for a very long time. So. Thank you for having me. Um, ditto, ditto, ditto. I couldn't have said it better. Wow, Mohit, I really appreciate you taking your time to sit down with me. That was a very impactful conversation. I want to give a special shout out to Dan Fortune, my co-host. As we work through these administrative issues, we both got to keep the faith. Soon and very soon, this podcast will be complete with both of our voices. I want to give a special thanks to Brian Dawson. He lent his edit tips to this episode. I really appreciate you, Dawson. Stay tuned to the next episode. I'll be talking to Chris Dolly. Until next time, remember, there's more to your story.